covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. It is great to have you with us. It is the post-Brewers on deck edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast as the on-deck event was held on Sunday the 26th, and we are recording this podcast the evening of Sunday the 26th. And uh, as is always the case, there is uh, a lot to get to and a lot that comes out uh, during On Deck. We'll get into all that in just a moment. A few uh, items here at the top of the podcast. First off, a special hello and welcome to everybody who is listening on 540 ESPN as part of uh, Doug Russell's Pod Center. Always want to say hello to you if you don't know what you're listening to. Uh, this is a podcast that we're airing on the radio for you. You can always uh, find the podcast on demand at WTMJ.com. Also find us on Apple Podcast and Stitcher as well. You can just do a search for Brewers Extra Innings and uh, subscribe and do all that sort of stuff. Speaking of all that sort of stuff, uh, if you do listen to us via Apple Podcast and you want to leave a ranking and review, that would be very much appreciated. Subscribing to the podcast would be appreciated as well. And also, you can always find me by going to Twitter and uh, getting at me at Matt Pauley on air. M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air is my Twitter handle, and that's how you find me. Coming up on uh, this week's podcast, Kyle Loebner is going to uh, join us. We welcome him back on the podcast. He was also at Brewers on Deck as he had a number of different angles to cover, and we're going to get into a bunch of things with him coming up a little bit later on. As we open up the show this week, I just kind of want to go through some of the notes that came out of On Deck, and I'll give you my take on them. The biggest nugget that came out was the fact that Ryan Braun kind of openly talked about the fact that he doesn't know what his baseball future looks like after this season. Uh, he is uh, There is a an option in 2021 at $15 million. Now, I, I it's a mutual option with a $4 million buyout for 2021, and the option's at $15 million. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening uh, going into 2021 uh, and whether or not maybe they can work out a deal to, to bring him back if he still wants to play. But we're kind of putting the cart in front of the horse at this point in time. He's somebody that you don't really think about the Brewers with him not being a part of it. But as he continues to get a little bit older, he's somebody who is not uh, he's not a part-time player, but he's not a full-time player all at the same time, if that makes any sense. He gets off days. He's going to probably spend uh, a couple stints on the injured list each year uh, as he's got some chronic injuries that tend to pop up on him. But he can still produce. He can still uh, come up with very big hits, as we saw. He's somebody that you want to see in the lineup, especially late in the year if you are contending. So my my initial reaction to this is this upcoming season is not going to be the final season that Ryan Braun plays baseball. I also have a hard time believing that he would play for a team that's not the Brewers, and he has such a great relationship uh, with ownership and with general manager David Stearns. I feel like if if we see the if we see last year's, if we see the 2019 version of Brian, Ryan Braun in 2020, if it's about the same, you would think that we would be back in 2021. But we, we are at a point now, he's at a point now, where he's in his career at a certain stage in his career where you're closer to the end than the finish. And the fact that he is actually kind of talking about maybe this could be it 
while I don't think this upcoming season is going to be it, uh, I, I do think we're at a point now in his career where he's going to be done sooner than later. And the other side of it is, you know, we're talking about this solely from a baseball perspective. This we've mentioned the injuries that he has and uh, the the chronic stuff that he has dealt with throughout uh, the last few years. He's got a family. He's made his money. I think the thing that's probably still keeping him there, obviously the love of the game, the uh, high level of competitiveness, but at one point do those other things, being able to spend time with family and you know, waking up in the morning and feeling pretty good. At what point do those things start to outweigh the other things? Those are questions that only he can answer, but clearly those are things that are starting to uh, pop up on him. Uh, something that was uh, came out earlier in the week, but we got a little bit more information and a little bit more clarification on is the injury to shortstop Luis Urias, who was part of the trade with San Diego this past year. And I, to me, I always thought that they brought him in to be the opening day shortstop, that they don't make that move if they're not planning on him being the guy at shortstop. And they've never confirmed that. And, you know, Orlando Arcia is clearly still on this team, but he's got a wrist injury. And uh, per Adam McAlvey, who did some digging on this from uh, MLB and Brewers.com, there was some discomfort that he started to feel while he was playing in winter ball in Mexico. And over the course of the next week or so, they're going to continue to look at it. Now, it wasn't something where he was like hit by a pitch or he dove and there was a single play and it hurt his wrist. It was more of something that slowly came on. And that might be a worse thing. It might be be a better thing, but uh, it doesn't sound great, and they are going to make a decision this week whether or not he possibly needs surgery. If he needs surgery, that would put the start of his season absolutely uh, in jeopardy, and we would just have to wait and see uh, what's going to happen with that. Also, Corey Knabel spoke to the media, and he's not going to start the season with the Brewers. At the beginning of the season, we'll probably see him playing in the minor leagues, in all likelihood, we'll start the year at at AAA, Uh, but he's on track track to uh, get to the Brewers at some point, probably in the month of May, so he would play the vast majority of the season, and the team right now is absolutely counting on him to be to be a very, very big part of the bullpen. So to me, that was kind of the, the, the big notes that came out of On Deck is always just a really cool event, and great to see fans show up. I'll, I'll share this story. I was on a plane on Saturday. Uh, for those of you who don't know, one of my side gigs, especially during the Brewers' uh, offseason, is I'm the uh, broadcast radio voice for the Green Bay Phoenix women's basketball team. And they were playing at Youngstown State, uh, which is pretty close to Pittsburgh. So I was flying back from Pittsburgh on Saturday, and I sat next to a woman on the plane who the Pirates had their off-season event uh, on Saturday, and her husband was there, and I was telling her about the Brewers one, and she was just kind of amazed and floored when I told her tickets were sold and it was sold out and everything that goes along with it, where I I don't know the exact details of the Pirates event, but it it doesn't sound like tickets are sold for it. It doesn't sound like it's quite a a big deal. You can kind of just show up and, and get in and do some things. So, uh, for those of you who have only experienced Brewers on deck, I can tell you that there there are some other teams that hold off-season events that get great fan attendance, and it's a, it's a really cool thing, and it's very similar to what the Brewers do. But the teams that have that, 
that, I think, are few and far between. And it's pretty special for uh, the community and for this fan base and for the entire state of Wisconsin to be able to uh, come together here a couple weeks before pitchers and catchers report to kind of mark the end of the offseason and really look forward to the start of the, uh, of the at least the spring training portion of the year, which is not that far away. We've got just uh, a couple more episodes of this podcast before we can actually talk about players doing things, organized activities down in Arizona, and that absolutely is a good thing. All right, as mentioned uh, this week, our featured guest is uh, Kyle Loebner, so let's uh, let's get to him. Uh, our featured conversation, Kyle Loebner joining us here in uh, just a moment or so on Brewers Extra News, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ, does continue on. And uh, today's a fun uh, podcast. It's the uh, the podcast immediately following the Brewers on Deck event. And somebody who was right in the middle of Brewers on Deck, covering it from a number of uh, different angles. He is Kyle Loebner. You can uh, read him in the Shepherd Express, a contributor to the Milwaukee Record. Also, uh, a lot of his work is done uh, on the Timber Rattlers website. Follow him on Twitter at ByKyleLoebner. K-Y-L-E-L-O-B-N-E-R. Hey, Kyle, how are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? I am good. So this is kind of, we'll, we'll make this our jumping off point. A lot of stuff comes out today. That's always the way things are at, at On Deck. It's kind of that that aggregate time for everybody to collect a bunch of stories that can uh, fill up the time between now and pitchers and catchers reporting. What one or right. two items really stuck out to you from uh, today's activity? Well, I think the the big one that I think um, came up in several interviews throughout the course of the day um, is media was talking to Ryan Braun this morning. Um, Braun kind of raised the possibility, independently of anybody else, that this could be his last season. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that caused everybody to kind of take a step back. Um, it became a question that went to Mark Adonazio and to Craig Council and David Stearns later in the day. Um, but I think, you know, Brian Braun's contract has been going on so long that I think for a lot of fans' minds it just kind of become infinite that Ryan Braun would always be here. Um, and now all of a sudden today, I think we were all kind of forced to look back at the possibility that this could be the last year of that deal. Uh, the Brewers still have a club option for 2021. Um, but realistically, we could be all of a sudden turning the corner on the, the last year of the Ryan Braun era in Milwaukee. Um, and so I think... You know, that was a, a big thing that um, people kind of took notice of today, um, and, and I think it, it kind of changed the, the tone of the day a little bit. Uh, but in addition to that, um, this year at On Deck, maybe more so than any year since about 2016, um, it really felt like um, this was a very different Brewer team mm-hmm. from anything we've seen before. There were more times today than there's been any year for a long time where I passed somebody in the hall, noticed them in a jersey, and then kind of had to turn around and look after they went to see what the name on their back was because uh, there's a lot of new faces here. Um, and some of the new faces didn't even make the trip today, so it could have been even more. Um, but I think the, the level of turnover on this Brewer team um, really came into sharp focus today. There were only 11 guys from the wildcard game roster that were even at on deck today. That's incredible, isn't it? Right? To, for it to turn over that fast. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like I'm falling behind on things this <laughs> winter. I, I can't imagine how the average fan is keeping up. 
All right, so you said a lot. Let's get into some of them. First off, you know, a lot is being made of Ryan Braun and maybe this being his final year. I personally would be very surprised if he's not ba- playing baseball in 2021. Uh, right. That 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 option is for $15 million. He's going to make $16 million this year, made $18 million last year. I still think they got pretty good value out of him at that amount. And if his year this year looks much like his year last year, don't you pick up that $15 million option? Well, I think, you know, I'm not sure about the option because $15 million would be a, a lot to pay for a guy who is probably, you know, closing down the gap towards being a part-time player. Uh, but with that said, uh, certainly it makes more sense for Ryan Braun to finish his career in Milwaukee than it does to finish it anywhere else. And so I would not be shocked at all if you see the Brewers you know, work out a deal, decline that option, but bring Braun back on a, a lower-numbered contract. I guess it wouldn't be a shock if they pick it up just for sentimental value. Well, that, that isn't the thing this organization has been necessarily prone to doing in the past. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I think if Ryan Braun wants to play baseball in 2021 at all, and that's the question mark because it, it's entirely possible that at any point here he could decide he's made enough money as He's made enough money to, you know, live comfortably for the rest of his life. He wants to go home and spend time with his family, and he'd like to be done. Um, but unless that happens, um, if Ryan Braun wants to play baseball in 2021, it almost certainly makes more sense for him to do it in Milwaukee than for him to do it anywhere else. Uh, there, there's, there's so much angst about some different positions and the, the money that maybe wasn't spent this offseason. And I know the Brewers – have to say that they're comfortable with the roster. You're never going to have one of these offseason events for any team where they say they're uncomfortable. But I personally, when when they talk about their comfort level at third base, when they talk about their comfort level in, in pitching, both from a starting standpoint and a relief standpoint, uh, I, I, I think they're telling the truth. I, I think they do feel comfortable. I guess, A, would you agree with that? And B, should they feel comfortable? You know, I, I could see them feeling comfortable with this. I mean, they have an opportunity with the volume of talent that they have. Um, and I think, I think it was Craig Council that made this point today. Uh, with all the new guys they have brought in, you know, if they have something like a 50% or a two-thirds success rate with that group, they're going to be pretty good. Um, now, with that said, it's you know a fair question whether that's a reasonable expectation for the guys they brought in. But I think, you know, they have for several years now, done a relatively decent job of buying talent in volume, um, bringing in guys, letting them compete for spots, um, letting jobs bounce around a little bit until they finally find their level. Um, and that's a, a thing that has worked for them. And so I can see how they would feel like they could do that again. Um, there probably are a limited number of times where you can do that before you just have a year where it doesn't work out. And so, you know, what they have bought this winter is probably not a lot of certainty. Uh, but they have bought enough volume that they have the ability to mix and match a little bit. Um, their upside may not be spectacularly high, but their floor probably isn't real low either because there's guys there to swap out and put in if somebody's not producing or if they need to move things around. A lot was made of Christian Yelich saying he'd be fine playing a little bit of left field if need be. I feel like people tried to make that a big story today. I don't know if that is such a big story. Do you think it's a, it's a big deal that he said that? No, I think uh, the Brewers have you know, developed certainly 
um, and established a routine where guys move around on this team a lot. You know, it's not unusual. There are very few guys on this team that are going to play 130, 140 games at the same position. Maybe Lorenzo Cain, and that's about it. Um, so I, I don't think it's a surprise at all that the Brewers would consider playing Yelich in left field some days and right others, depending on who else they have out there and how they feel about their defense. I still suspect at the end of the day, you will probably see Yelich play right field more often than not. I think he's pretty good out there. I think they're pretty comfortable with him there. The only reason they would move him is if they really had a, a solid defensive outfield where they thought they could put somebody else in right. Um, but certainly having that flexibility um, and that willingness to move around a little bit is an asset for the Brewers, and it gives them you know, one more tool to use when putting together a different lineup every day. This bit of news wasn't broken at uh, on deck, but we got more clarification and more information on it. Uh, shortstop Luis Urias, who was a big part of this offseason, part of a trade, he's dealing with a wrist injury. Uh, the wrist injury did not happen as a result of a single. It, it wasn't like he was hit in the wrist or anything. It, right. it was slowly came around. Sometimes that's more worrisome than if it's a, a single issue. We should know at some point, maybe this upcoming week, that uh, whether or not he's going to need surgery. If he needs surgery, all of a sudden that puts his start of the season in jeopardy. Are you concerned at this point that uh, maybe we're not going to see out of Luis Urias what the organization thought they were going to get out of him when uh, they made that trade? Well, I think it has to be a concern. Uh, now, the question becomes, you know, if this is something that's not a break, if this is something that kind of developed over time, um, is it something where they are comfortable can be fixed? Uh, because if this is going to be a chronic thing for a long time, then yes, it's a very big concern. Um, if this is something where, you know, maybe he needs a procedure or something like that, and he's out until May and June, um, that's not probably as big of a deal. Uh, this is a, a brewer team that brought in a massive depth of infielders this winter. Um, they probably are pretty well suited to mix and match and kind of fill in the gap until he is ready. Uh, but the the bigger question needs to be, how long is it going to be until he's healthy? Because if if he's not going to be healthy for a while, then yeah, it is quite clearly a concern. And if there's not a, a confidence that this can be you know, definitely fixed and it's going to linger on for a long time, then it becomes a, a very real concern for a young guy. And the other side of that is, and this doesn't come from General Manager David Stearns, but I think a lot of us have kind of made the assumption that if the Brewers were to still have a big trade left in them, uh, that Orlando Arcia could very much be a part of that trade. That doesn't seem quite as possible now because he may be somebody that they, even if the injury is not needing surgery, don't you kind of have to pump the brakes on that idea because maybe it might be something chronic or maybe you want to at least play out and see what this wrist with Urias is going to look like? Yeah, I think, you know, the Brewers listed off a long list of candidates to play shortstop if they need somebody in a pinch. You know, I, I think they're relatively comfortable with Eric Sogard out there a couple days a week. Um, Jet Jerko has played a fair amount of short in his professional career. You know, I, I feel like they think they can mix and match out there a fair amount, um, and they probably would feel that way at least for a short period of time, even without Arcia. Um, and so. Arcia probably, before he could be included in any major trade, probably needs to come to spring training and have a pretty nice spring. Um, but if push comes to shove and he is having a really nice spring and it leaves the Brewers with two options at shortstop, that would be a nice luxury to be able to consider for a deal. Um, but I don't see that as being imminent. I don't see Arcia as being the centerpiece in the deal right now, just based on the rough couple of years he's had. Another team would be buying pretty low on him, and so I don't suspect they'd be willing to really shell anything out for him. 
it would appear that Corey Knable's timeline looks like he should be back in May. He's probably going to get uh, some minor league time before he eventually gets uh, to the big leagues. You never really know what you're going to get with a guy coming off Tommy John, especially right when they're off it. Sometimes it takes that first full year and then another year for them to get all the way back. That being said, this organization certainly seems like they're betting on him to be the Corey Knable he was prior to the surgery. Yeah, I think, you know, year to year, betting on relievers is almost always a bad decision, um, regardless of any of the other facts at play. Uh, the shelf life of a major league reliever is just not that long, um, especially for guys who have been used as closers and have endured some of the, the challenging workload that comes with that. Um, so I think, you know, anytime you have to put all your eggs in one basket with the reliever, you're probably not in a great situation. I don't know that Knable's situation is that terribly different, um, just because, you know, because of the injury, but he has had quite a while to rehab it. By the time he would come back in May or June, it would have been now uh, 15 or 16 months uh, since he was sidelined. The time frame is about right for him to come back, but I suspect you'll see the Brewers, you know, kind of ease him back in a little bit. I suspect you'll see his workload be a little more limited than it was before the surgery. I don't think you'll see him a lot on back-to-back days. Um, I don't think you'll see him multiple innings at all. Um, and fortunately, with Josh Hader in the organization, the Brewers have that luxury a little bit. Uh, they don't need to push Corey Knable as hard as they would um, if they needed him to be their closer right away. They have the opportunity to make sure he is right, um, to get him some work in lower-pressure situations or to get him some work on a more regular schedule until they're confident they have him back. You spent a lot of time with uh, former Timber Rattlers, and clearly there's a lot of them in the organization. And by the way, sidebar, I bought an Utter Tuggers t-shirt, so I feel very good about, uh, about that purchase. So I was glad that the uh, Timber Rattlers, as always, uh, were there. I just searched for them a little bit this year. They weren't in their normal spot. They were downstairs, but right. I, I found them, and I, and I bought my shirt, so I, I feel good about that. But in all seriousness, uh, I know you really enjoy being able to talk to guys who have either gone to the big leagues or have at least graduated from the Timber Rattlers and are a little bit closer uh, to the big leagues. Uh, for folks that are going to be uh, reading you on the Timber Rattlers website, what is some of the stuff that's going to be come up, uh, coming up soon, and uh, who did you talk to over during the on-deck? Yeah, this week I anticipate having a story up on Keston Hira, um, who made the transition last season from being the number one prospect in the Brewers organization to being an everyday and a pretty successful big league second baseman. Uh, so we talked to him a little bit today about you know kind of that transition, um, his first full off season as a big leaguer and how that is different. Um, and we actually happened to catch him right after the news had broken today about Kobe Bryant. Um, and Kesson is a, a California native, a, a longtime Lakers fan, um, and so we talked to him a little bit about that as well um, and kind of the, the sudden realization of, of that news as it came through today. Uh, so I'll have that story later this week. Um, and then my next story for the Timber Rattlers, which will run in a couple of weeks, is going to be about um, kind of the different way the Brewers are managing the offseason for their pitchers this year. Um, and this is something that I think is kind of coming into vogue around baseball a little bit. Um, one of the things that has changed in pitcher development um, it had been for a, a long time kind of the, the understanding that, you know, you get guys all their innings during the season, and when fall comes along, you shut them down and you let them get some rest through the winter. Um, that is no longer in vogue. Um, it is becoming more and more popular to have guys kind of continue to throw um, instead of winding down and ramping back up. So one of the things I learned is I talked to some pitchers in the organization today, and I talked to Corbin Burns about this, I talked to Trey Supak about this, and Taylor Williams 
is that these guys really didn't have much of an offseason this year. Um, they went right back to throwing bullpens. Um, they went right back to the, the Brewers' pitch lab uh, to clean up some things in their mechanic and mechanics and maybe to, to work on changing some things in their delivery. Um, and so I'm excited to get the opportunity to share kind of what I learned in that process because I, I think the way the Brewers are managing some of their prospect pitchers and some of their young major league pitchers is very different from you know what we've seen in recent years and probably what fans have come to expect. You mentioned the pitching lab, and it's very much connected to Corbin Burns because last year when they when he struggled, they eventually sent him down there, and that's something that's brand new with the spring training complex. Are you are you curious to see how Burns responds this year, and then also put that uh, in context with what maybe helped him or didn't help him with going to that pitching lab? Well, I think everyone's curious to see that, perhaps including Corbin Burns. I mean, this is a, a relatively new process for them to have this much technology um, and this much instant feedback on what a pitcher is doing, what's working, what's not working, what they might be able to tinker with. Um, but that's one of the things I talked with Corbin about it at pretty great length today um, is you know, kind of doing a, a bullpen every Tuesday and every Friday and immediately the next day having the data from it, you know, being able to see his release points and his spin rate. And all the, the little things that come with every pitch he's throwing. Um, and it's a, it's a thing that's relatively new. Um, this technology has not been around baseball all that long. Uh, but it has very quickly gotten to the point where it would be tough for some of these guys to live without it. Yeah. Um, this is a, a big part of what they do. Um, it is a big part of their development and their improvement. Um, and for Corbin Burns, hopefully it can get him back to being a very successful big league pitcher. So, yeah, I'm excited to share you know, some of what I learned about that in a couple weeks when that story comes out. Well, great stuff. Appreciate you taking some time after what was a very, very long day for you. Uh, and we right. encourage everybody to uh, read you uh, off the Tim Browner's website uh, in the Shepherd Express. Follow you on Twitter uh, at by Kyle Loebner. Kyle, really appreciate the time as always, and uh, we'll catch up again real soon. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Kyle Loebner joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. And uh, that is just about going to uh, wrap up uh, our podcast today. I do want to say thank you, by the way, to everybody who came up and uh, said hello. Uh, I I had a busy day on deck as well. Uh, We had our WTMJ uh, 94.5 ESPN Good Karma Brands quadcast going uh, throughout the course of the day. And uh, I was on that for a while. I also took part in uh, the media panel, which is always one of the highlights of On Deck for me, uh, where it's uh, Tom Hodricourt, Todd Rosiak, Adam McAlvey, and, and myself. And it's uh, it's a cool opportunity to be able to uh, talk to a lot of you who are at that event. So uh, well, just a personal note, hello and thank you to uh, everybody who came up and uh, said something. If you didn't come up and say something, always feel like you can just so you know if there's an event like this in the future uh, i enjoy being able to talk to people who uh to listen especially like uh one person came up to me and told me he's a regular texter into our brewers extradings post game show and he told me who he was on the text line so now when i get the text messages from him going forward i'll be able to put a face to a name and i always uh, i really enjoy that so always feel free you know, some there's there's a barrier with the uh, with radio. I'm not I'm not in the same room with you. So in the times that uh, I am in the same room, feel free to uh, come up and say hi because it's a treat for me to be able to uh, talk to folks who take time out of uh, out of their days to listen to me. That's uh, that's a really cool thing, and I'm very very appreciative of that. 
All right, so that's going to do it for uh, this week's edition of the podcast. My thanks to Kyle Loebner for joining us. We'll talk to you again next week with another edition. It's Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.